When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now live in the Bank Plus studio, where college football meets the all-lifestyle. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Out of Bounds Show with Bo Bounds. Streaming around the world live at the Out of Bounds radio app. And on your radio at ESPN 105.9. Where are you? The Zone. Good morning. Welcome in. We are the Out of Bounds Show, driven by your next Nissan Pathfinder, Nissan Rogue. Canon, Nissan in Jackson. I'm your host, Bo Bounds. Woo. The uh, Key City Beer caller line is 601-707-3750. At Twitter X, Bo Bounds. At Bo Bounds. No, not at Twitter X. On Twitter X. At Bow Bounds. And the Ag Up Equipment text line, 601-885-3776. 601-885-3776. And we've had some fun this morning. We... Uh, Roll Tide Ryan Fowler on kind of where we are in the SEC right now. It's a, uh, don't you kind of feel like it's a different temperature in the room with Michigan winning? Uh, Georgia wasn't as good. Um, They had an easy schedule. Couldn't get there. Uh, Boy, Bama, everything was a struggle for them. Yeah. Uh, We haven't, you know, that hasn't always been the case. It's not as easy as we think it is for them either. But, um, you know, they were lacking on both offense and defense as far as star power. Did they have good players? Yes. But we could go through the litany of players that Saban's had since 2009, right? That made the magic happen. Right, yeah. And and the top-heavy dudes that they've had off the edge or at wide receiver or at left tackle. And so that was a little bit different. Um, LSU couldn't stop a community college. It's unbelievable. Never in my life did I think I would say on this show, LSU has the 108th or is 108th in defensive scoring efficiency. That's that's impossible. <laughs> That'd be like Sanford beating Bama in football. Um, and then, you know, some other weird things happening. And Michigan is, uh, is something that I think we're still trying to wrap our brain around. There's an unbelievable article on theathletic.com. If you really want to do a deep dive behind the scenes on what happened the last three years and how Harbaugh built this team, and how they had to go through all the the journey. It wasn't quite like Georgia and Bama. Not that they don't have adversity. But Michigan got, you know, they came up short. Right. And they lost to TCU and people made fun of them. Ha ha, you lost to TCU last year in the national semifinal game. You're not any good. And, 
You know, the year before they were disappointed, Jason. And yet they kept building, kept building. Their guys stayed together. And even with Harbaugh losing coordinators, he's just that good of a coach. And they found the recipe. True. 15 and 0, six of the games Harbaugh doesn't coach. I, wow. I mean, are we are we talking about that enough? One of them against Ohio State who out recruits them. They look prettier. They have more five star players. The defense. They have more higher ranked four star players. They've had more star power. Michigan's had good players go through. Ohio State's had more star power. Right. First round picks. Oh, yeah. Easy. They have. Easy. You just mentioned some of them edge rushers, wide receivers, CJ Stroud this year, uh, what he's done with the Houston Texans. Unbelievable, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, but what I was thinking about, so J.J. McCarthy in Michigan win the national championship. You realize that the last three quarterbacks to win a national championship are J.J. McCarthy, Stetson Bennett twice, and Mac Jones. Are we do like outside the pocket running quarterbacks? Is that out of the landscape? For a national championship now? I mean, is the, the Jalen Hurts age done? Um, so, I do think that we will revert back to what we've seen as far as the powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this article that I'm referencing on The Athletic, um, this is what jumped out at me. Perhaps the reality is college football is doomed to return to its norm next season. How long are Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, and LSU going to stay down? Yeah. I mean, their numbers were way off. Offensive and defensive scoring efficiency, their numbers were way off. They were. As we tracked it throughout the season with Bartu, he kept saying, this is not, this is not what we were used to experiencing. Um. You know, for you as an Ole Miss fan, your your question is, is Jackson Dart a Deshaun Watson type that can, I mean, you got to be great to get through. And this was, you know, now we got an expanded deal. You got to be great several times. Right. As Ryan Fowler said, we would only be getting into the play. January 20th is the national championship next year. I want you to wrap your brain around that. January 20th is the national championship next year. And the season starts August 24th. And we get two buys. You get two buys. We get two buys. They get two buys. Them over, you know, it's a two buy season, which is, uh, I think, you know, a little, we've had it before, but it's a, it's a wrinkle. Oh, definitely. Uh, I'm just worried that if Dart does try to, you know, be the, the face of like the, the running quarterback that mobile, he's going to get smashed. I mean, like... Well, he was hurt this year. Yeah. Down the stretch. Well, I mean, he also... That hit in the Egg Bowl. Yeah. Yeesh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think anybody really wants to talk about that because I think there's a lot of head scratching on why he went back in. Um, We are the Out of Bounds Show, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. Again, this article in The Athletic walks you through Harbaugh's genius. And it's by Max Olson. Jim Harbaugh and Michigan proved there's more than one path to the top of college football. Will that continue? All right, let's switch gears. Brad asked me on the Ag Up Equipment text line, Bo, what did you think about the 
the uh, M Braves. Well, I'm disappointed. If you've listened to the show, you know we have a great partnership with the M Braves. Nobody's ever done anything like we did with them. We went a unique route as far as promoting minor league baseball and all that it brings to the table. And it's an inexpensive way for families to celebrate together. You can get in the ballpark. I mean, we, we talk about how expensive the Saints games are. Yeah. How expensive Ole Miss and Mississippi State football tickets are. Now, they're outrageous. How expensive it is to to go see Dak and the Cowboys. Um, what is special about Mississippi Braves and minor league baseball is you can take your family of four to the M Braves ballpark and get in with tickets and food and, and drink for a really, really good price value. So I hate that they're going to Columbus, Georgia. Did I see it? Did, were we talking to them? Did we know what was happening? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I had lunch with Pete Lavin on Friday, general manager of the M Braves. Um, he's become a friend. He's not just a partner. He's a friend of mine. We've hung out. We've gone to Starkville together. Uh, so this will be it. And we're going we're gonna to take advantage of it. We're going to love it. I hope you do. I hope if you've only gone to one game in five years, I hope you go to two or three games this year. I think we're going to, you know, here's what I always talk about. And I know y'all eye roll me. We have cool stuff. We got to go do it around here. I hear all this. Well, we need more cool stuff. Well, we've got music events. We've got Mississippi Braves baseball. We've got trails. We've got this. We got that. Got to, you know, got to embrace it. Um, so, yeah, selfishly, uh, you know, I hate it because that ballpark is pretty. We're lucky to have it. I don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to go get a single A team? I hope so. I, I don't know what Pearl and the ownership group of the stadium decide to do. I hope that they can land another team. It's been a heck of a run, and we're going to enjoy. We're going to enjoy some nachos and a cold Michelob Ultra while watching uh, some Mississippi Braves baseball this year. But while I'm disappointed, we'll celebrate their last season. The Out of Bounds Show, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. I want to let you know that FS1 Concepts in Pearl, they have the PK Grills. They have a showroom floor, retail. They do wholesale, restaurant equipment, kitchen equipment, restaurants, hotels, businesses. But um, they've got PK Grills at FS1 Concepts in Pearl, along with all kinds of cool bar and kitchenware especially for those of y'all who are putting on a clinic at your home. Um, ice machines, you know, those that you need, like at hunting camps and so on. Uh, schools, order from them. Universities, colleges, restaurants. FS1 Concepts, locally owned in Pearl. The Out of Bounds Show, 105.9 The Zone ESPN. Are you predicting an upset uh, in Oxford or Startville tonight? Both. Okay. I think I think the Bulldogs saw the weak spots of Tennessee against Ole Miss. They found some holes and they're going to exploit them. And then I think Ole Miss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I think the Rebs against Florida. I've I've covered some Ole Miss games against Florida, like in the Pavilion. Oh, okay. And 
they get a little chippy. I don't know why. I don't know if there's like an Ole Miss Florida basketball thing or whatever because they're better than Maybe. us. <laughs> but, really? Yeah. But whenever the games that I've covered on the court for Ole Miss, whenever Ole Miss would play Florida, uh-huh. it would get chippy. I mean, there was right behind the basket, and that's where you can hear everything. Okay. You know, maybe I mean, because uh, Ole Miss, maybe because Florida's actually a national brand. Yeah, and good. Yeah, <laughs> good at basketball. Well, when Billy Donovan was there, you talking about? He's, I think he's the most underrated coach in college basketball the last thirty years. Wow. No, probably more than that, because they are a football school, and because of what Spurrier and Urban Meyer did, and this, you know, this Tim Tebow thing where we all lost our minds. Billy Donovan played for three national championships and won two. Wow. Not counting all the other Elite Eights and Final Four. The guy lived deep in the tournament. He lived there. Um, He's beyond excellent as a coach. Not surprising. Who did he play for? Rick Patino. I was at that Final Four in 1987 in New Orleans. I mean, it, Rick Patino. I know he's been a little bit of a mess off the court. He's one of the greatest developers and X's and O's guys or people uh, in the history of the sport. Patino's remarkable. Amazing. But Billy Donovan, what he did at Florida at a school that doesn't really care is insane. You don't remember a lot of it, but man, when they hired him for Marshall, Jeremy Foley made a heck of a hire. He's so good. So good. He's in the NBA now? He is. He's yeah, been at uh, Oklahoma City and now Chicago Bulls? Yes. So, I mean, he's, he, look, man, that NBA life's good. You don't have to worry about recruiting and right. third-party flesh peddlers and street agents and paying an AAU and all that nonsense and constantly, you know, loading the boat and bags of cash. And, you know, so he just, the front office says, here's your team, and you coach it. Now, it doesn't always work out, but... uh you just you you focus on. They give you the assets. Here's your team. Boom. Go. True. And NBA money. I mean, Florida Gator basketball money is good money. NBA money is really good money. So he's probably made over 100 million. Jeez. No, no. <laughs> Two-time national champ, man. For the Florida Gators, ask Cal Calipari and Kentucky how many they've won in the 2000s. Ooh. And they care. Yeah, they do. I mean, they're a quote-unquote basketball school, right? And Florida actually, in the 2000s, in baseball, basketball, and football has cooked. They, they have. <laughs> I know they've lost their way in, in, in football, but you are in the 2000s. It goes to show you how dangerous they are, but you are right. With Urban Meyer, Kevin O'Sully Sullivan, and Billy Donovan? Whew. Jeez. Are you serious? <laughs> like, Talking about championships, SEC and national, it's it's pretty sick. I mean, who else in the SEC has done that in recent years? I mean, all, like L- all the way across the board. Yeah, that's a great question. Like LSU's done baseball uh, and football. You're right. I guess LSU would be the second. If you want to go since 2000 across the board in the big three sports. Wow, that's a great question. I like that, Jason. Two titles in football. Two titles in basketball and one title in baseball and Sully's played for it what I know of one more time two more times well heck Pat McMahon played for it with John Cohen as his number one assistant wow they lost to Augie Garrido in Texas somehow Jeremy Foley fired him but anyway 
Um, yeah, I'm noodling through this. LSU would be the, yeah, because Bartman got one more in 01, and then uh, Maneri got one in 09, and then Jay Johnson just got one. So that's three for LSU in baseball. LSU's won three titles in football, right? Um, Saban got one at LSU. Miles got one. Eddie O got one. And then in basketball, they've been to the final four. Wow. That's, that's it. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. And then I guess number three would be Auburn. As but, far as across the board, Auburn has a national championship in football, played for another one, went to the final four with Bruce Pearl, and have been to what Butch has been to two college world series. Yeah. They've been pretty darn healthy in the three major sports. I know they've had some lulls, but what program doesn't for the right, most part? Right. I mean, Georgia doesn't give a damn about basketball or baseball. No. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, not at all. Now, if they ever wake up, they're always going to be like Florida and LSU and A&M, right? A&M is kind of the bigger disappointment across the board. No, no national championship or college football playoff appearance. No final four. And no playing for at least even playing for the championship in baseball. Right. Yeah. I think I would go Auburn, but we make, cause you can't put South Carolina's one, two in, uh, in baseball and played for another one. And they did go the final four somehow, right? With Frank Martin yeah. in basketball and Spurrier won 11 games. Um, three times in a row, which is Remarkable. just, yeah, people <laughs> don't give him enough credit. I tell you a sleeper. Um, that's not in that that tier, neither South Carolina in that tier one. Some people would argue Auburn didn't, although they're like fringe tier one, top of tier two. True, very because they're so big. Mississippi State's been number one in football, been a final four, played for two national championships in women's basketball, played for two national championships in college baseball, and won one. That's unprecedented in this state. Yeah, I mean, and then I. I mean, state, the 2000s, I don't know what it was like before the 2000s, but I'm sure this is above and beyond expectations. Oh, no question. <laughs> but, Mullen, Cohen, and and whatever, whoever you want to give credit, Lamona slash Mangum and all those. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, you got to look at Arkansas and, and just think that they are so sour that they've gotten so close in every sport, but have never been able to oh, yeah. just they've been reach, the you know. Final. Hold on. No, Musselman didn't take them to the Final Four. They went to the, what'd they go to? Was that Elite Eight? Um, and then they dropped the the pop-up. Yeah, you're right. To They have played for the national championship. But I, I'll, I will say this, though, Jason. I know the Dogs and Rebs have a national title. Van Horn has lived in the College World Series. Yeah. I mean, their program is pretty damn amazing. I don't know how much longer he's going to go. Co baseball coaches coach forever. Because I feel like Bianco's been in Ole Miss for 30 years. Come on. I mean, does that uh, guy have a gas tank or what? Van Horn. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I think Mike's one of those guys that just, I, I don't know if he can imagine doing anything else. We're going to have Larry Boa coming up next. Yeah. He played for the Cubs and the Phillies. Phillies and the Cubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phillies and the Cubs. And uh, Pete Rose and Mike Schmidt were his teammates. My gosh, Larry. And then he, he won a World Series as a player, won a World Series as a hitting coach, and was a manager, too. 
Larry Boa coming up next on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Uh, let's go lunch today. Brought to you by The Ribs at Fleetway Market in the Market Cafe in Glugstadt. Try The Ribs, The Brisket, The Blue Plate. All powered by Fleetway Market and the Market Cafe in Glugstadt. And go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and search Out of Bounds with Bow Bounds. Larry Boa played with the Phillies and the Cubs. Coming up next on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Uh, We're excited about our next guest. He will join us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. We are the Out of Bounds Show, 105.9 The Zone ESPN. We're driven by your next John Deere tractor at Ag Up Equipment. And there are over 20 locations in Mississippi, agup.com. John Deere, America's tractor. We are ESPN 105.9 The Zone. And before I welcome in our next guest, Larry Boa, a longtime MLB player and MLB manager and coach. When I was a kid, in the early to mid-80s, I had every one of his baseball cards at the Phillies and Cubs. Uh, Larry Boa, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing fine. Thank you. Good, good. Hey, walk me through. I was reading up. I've known about you since I was a kid because we had WGN and... um, once you made it over to the to the Cubs, um, you know, watched y'all all the time. But I knew all about the Phillies and and uh, Steve Carlton and you and and Rose and so on. Um, now you weren't you weren't some kind of star baseball player growing up. I know your dad had a tie to baseball, but it didn't start like coming together for you until community college or JUCO. Is that right, Larry? Yeah, I I got cut from high school three years in a row, you know, and the coach didn't say I wasn't good enough. He just said I was too small. And the fact that my dad played pro ball and got as high as triple A, you know, he kept reinforcing that, hey, it doesn't matter how big you are. There's room on a baseball field for big guys, little guys. So to make a long story short, uh, that summer after I got cut my third year in high school, they had a summer league. And I went and played on a summer league team. And this junior college coach, whose name was Dale Bandy, came and watched the games. And he approached me after a couple of games and said, hey, I want you to come out for my team. And I, I sort of laughed at him. I said, I didn't even play high school, so I don't know how I'm going to make your team. He says, well, I'm going to give you every opportunity to make it. And uh, I went there for two years. I made all-conference. And uh, basically, Eddie Bachman, who was a scout for the Phillies, signed me. And then I signed with the Phillies and then played first year A, second year double A, third year triple A. Then I went to the big leagues my fourth year. That's an incredible story. Larry Bowe on the Out of Bounds show. When, I, when I'm when i a kid, I didn't obviously realize this. I didn't have Google and computers and so on. I'm just watching Larry right. Boa play for the Phillies and, and the Cubs and thinking, hey, this is awesome. And um, now that I'm older, I'm sitting here thinking with all this travel ball and everything else and People think they're stars at seven, eight, nine years old. Larry Boa doesn't make his cut three years in a row. So, so your dad's connected to the game, as you just said, and I, and I read um, right. yesterday. What, as you're getting cut year after year, do you ever go to your dad or just think, you know what, 
the hell with this. I, I don't want to play baseball anymore. I want to do something else. You know why I, I never did that? Because my dad always said that I have a lot to offer. Uh, you know, I, obviously, when I first came up, I wasn't a very good hitter. But back when we played, if you caught the ball, played short, second, center field, and catcher, that old adage, strength up the middle, and then let the corner people in the infield and outfield do all the hitting, you know, that that was basically the mindset of me. But through hard work and a great hitting instructor, you know, I ended up getting over 2,000 hits in the big leagues. But I'm not going to tell you it was easy. It took a lot of hard work. Uh, it had had a lot to do with the manager that was managing me, the hitting coach that was spending hours at a time during the winter with me. Uh you know, the other thing that, that that bothered me a little bit after I made the, the all-conference in junior college, I never got drafted either. I mean, that was the first year of the draft. and So I went through the draft and everything. Obviously, the odds were stacked against me. Um, you know, my dad always told me, you don't want to be a minor league baseball rat because you can ride buses your whole life. He says, but if you think you can do this, you got to go after your dream. And he taught me how to play the game fundamentally. You know, I was able to move runners. I was able to steal a base. I was a real good fielder, had a good arm. I was fast. Uh, and then, you know, after my second year, played A and double A and triple. Then I went to triple A, and they told me that, hey, we want you to learn how to switch hit. So I didn't really start switch hitting until I was in triple A. And you talk about an experiment, man. That was tough. I mean, I did everything right-handed my whole life and all of a sudden they say okay now you got to hit left-handed and uh, to learn at the triple a level was it was really tough but you know uh whether it was me being stubborn or me knowing that i know i can do this you know things worked out for me and, you know it, and i think another thing that happens when you you have to be a little bit obviously you got to be good to play in the big leagues but you also have to be lucky you have to be in the right place at the right time and when i went to the Phillies in 1970 they were rebuilding it wasn't a real good team so obviously the manager had more patience with me i wasn't doing anything the first two or three months and uh eventually everything clicked in for me and uh ended up winning the world series and playing in five all-star games and won gold gloves uh, i mean i i look back on my career and I, I sort of think it was a blessing in disguise to have to go through all the obstacles that I went through to get to the big leagues. Wow. That's a remarkable story. Larry Boa, Phillies, Cubs, Mets, longtime uh, manager and coaching career in MLB, and he joins us on the Out of Bounds show and the Farm Bureau Insurance guest line. Still you know, cut all three years in high school and yet, uh, and yet makes it. When did you realize... Obviously, your dad. What I mean, what a powerful and and supportive person for you. Uh, when yeah. did you realize, hey, this thing's going somewhere, and my career may have some legs, Larry? I think the biggest thing when I signed, Eddie Bachman, who was a scout, told the Phillies, hey, the worst scenario here is he's going to be an organization player. Excuse me. I, I think he can help you when he's done playing, being a coach or manager in the minor leagues. And so when I signed, I was under the assumption that, hey, they're going to give me an opportunity. And to be honest with you, I didn't really know I was going to be in the big leagues until the third year 
when I went to Eugene, Oregon, which was our AAA team, Bob Skinner was our manager, and he called me in and he said, hey, you made the team as a utility player, but I'm going to give you an option here. You can go down and learn how to switch hit and become an everyday player if you're successful switch hitting, or you can make this team as as a utility player. And I didn't want to play utility. I, I think utility player, I think that's one of the hardest jobs in baseball. You're sitting on the bench. You sit for four or five days. you got to go in. And there's always pressure on you. You got to do this. You got to do that. Whereas when you're an everyday player, and the manager believes in you, you go 0 for four, 0 for eight. You know you're still going to be in there. But when he told me that I could be an everyday player if I learned how to switch hit, then I, a light went off and said, "Hey, maybe I can do this." And then I went to to AAA, and I think I ended up hitting around 270 or 280, which was really good for learning how to switch hit. So I, I would say after that spring training, when I got when I said I would rather go to AAA and and play every day as opposed to being utility player, I felt that maybe I had a chance. Wow. Most people, if they're going to be a switch hitter, they do it as a kid, you know, maybe a teenager to do it at over 20 years old. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, it was hard. Yeah, I bet it was. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, when, when you're with the Phillies and you, you talked about the rebuild, Larry, and, and then things start to happen there. And y'all eventually right. win the World Series. You had a hell of a postseason. Um, what was that yeah. like as that team started, as y'all started to add more talent, when did y'all realize, hey, we we may have a shot at this, and we, we may not just be average. We may be really good at some point for Philadelphia. Well, I think in the mid-'70s, you know, everyone, back back when we played, everybody knew the guys in the minor leagues, the guys that were coming up. Uh, in fact, playing in Reading, which is real close to Philly, a lot of fans, when Phillies would go on the road trips, they would come and watch the Reading Phillies play, and they'd see all the prospects. And so in the mid-'70s, we started playing really good. I mean, we had the core group of guys was Bob Boone, Mike Schmidt, myself, Greg Lazinski. Uh, you know, obviously we've got Steve Carlton in a trade with the Cardinals. So we saw things starting to come together, but we kept coming up short. We kept playing the the big red machine at that time who was unbelievably talented. And then we had a series, a couple series with the Dodgers who had a great team. And we kept getting edged out, whether it was an umpire's call, whether it was a bad play, whether it lack of hitting, whatever it was, we were just coming up short. And then they decided, uh, uh, hey, you know what, we might need a missing piece here. And that's when we went out and got Pete Rose, and of course Dallas Green took over, who I thought was very instrumental in us progressing to where we were in the, in 1980. But uh, once we had those down times against the Reds and the Dodgers, you know, it got to the point where we knew we were good, but we were lacking something. And I think Pete put that little gave us that little push at the end, and of course Dallas Green being. Uh, a no-nonsense type manager. I think that helped out a lot. And then once we got through Houston in that 80 series where every game was extra innings except the first one, I really felt going in the World Series there was no pressure on us at all. We had finally got to where we wanted to go. We had a tough series with Houston, and we ended up beating Kansas City four games to two, and that's how that thing sort of unraveled for us. uh, Larry Boa, World Series champion. Uh, player and and coach. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance 
guest line uh, sharing stories of of Phillies and and hopefully we'll have some time to get into some other things. But this is great and how they became World Series champs. Uh, we, you mentioned Pete Rose had been with the Reds and um, right. and they had won. Did, did you feel it right away when he joined y'all that this guy was a winner and he brought something different to the locker room and the approach of the team, Larry? Yeah, there's no question. I mean, you talk about somebody that's a positive individual. Uh, and, he, you know, when he first came over, he says, you know, you guys, every time we played you, and I, he might have been just trying to build our confidence up, but he says, we, we didn't like playing you guys because you guys were very talented. And, you know, when when you come up with a core group of guys that learned how to win together and learned how to lose together, that was a, a very tight-knit group that we had come up through our minor league system. But we were also cognizant of we're missing something. And I think Pete was the guy that, uh, whether it was him telling everybody how good we were when he watched from the other dugout or whether constantly saying, hey, we can do this, we can do this. It was a combination of things. But Pete definitely was one of the factors that, uh, whether it was his attitude, his work ethic, his work ethic off the charts, I never seen anybody as competitive as he was. Uh, but whatever it was, that was the push that we needed, and, and it did pay off. So he was always driven, Larry. Just whatever y'all, I mean, whether it was oh. practice or in the cage, obviously in the games, uh, in the locker room talking to people. I mean, he was always on edge, competitive, and a driving force. Always. I mean, if you had two hits, you know, he'd sit down. He's just, you got to get three. You got to get three. If you had three, you got to get four. And, you know, his philosophy all the time was, you know, he talked baseball with all of us. He says, hey, when you're facing the number three and four starters in a rotation, you've got to do damage on them because you're going to be facing Gibson and Seaver. And those guys are tough. You might go over two with a walk, but you wear out these guys that are pitching in three or four uh, man rotation. I mean, he would he would break it down into – it would seem so easy, but he had, he had so much talent. I mean, you talk about a switch hitter. And if you take a look at <laughs> – Four thousand over four thousand hits. That's that's playing twenty years, getting over two hundred hits a year. I mean, what he did, obviously, the gambling part of it was terribly wrong. But if you you know the way that people advocate gambling now in all sports on TV and everything, I think he's paid his dues. And I, I just wish if we could turn back the clock, that once they brought him brought it to his attention that he got caught doing something that he wasn't supposed to. If he would have admitted it right away, he'd probably be in the Hall of Fame right now. But right. the fact that he didn't do it right away and eventually he did say, hey, okay, that's what I did. I guarantee one thing, knowing him, he didn't ever bet against this team to lose. But that's that's not that's not the really reason for this. You know, he got punished, and he shouldn't have done what he did. But the bottom line is uh, I don't think anybody's ever going to break that 4,000 hit record. First of all, Owners aren't going to have enough money to pay these guys. No, you get over two hundred hits a year for no. twenty years. So, no. but that's a record I think is going to stand forever. Five-time All Star Larry Boa, World Series champ as a player and a coach. He joins us on the Out of Bounds Show, ESPN one hundred five nine, The Zone. I, I had all his baseball cards, watched many games that he played in. Uh, what, do you do you ever talk to Pete Rose, Larry? Oh yeah. In fact, we we just had a. Uh, uh, a big, uh, we celebrated the 1980 two years ago when we saw him 
and I see him occasionally. He'll come, uh, you know, whether it be a memorabilia show where you're signing autographs, and uh, he's doing good. Pete's doing good. I mean, he, I think he's already uh, come to the conclusion that he's probably not going to get into the Hall of Fame, uh, but uh, he's handling it the best he can, and he knows he made mistakes. He'll be the first to tell you he made some mistakes. He's the kind of guy that when you played against him, you hated him. Yeah. And when he got on your team, you loved him. I mean, he's one of those guys, man, that uh, you talk about never giving away at bats, uh, concentration level at a high high level every at bat. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're winning 10 nothing or losing 10 nothing. Uh, this guy was locked in as soon as he put that uniform on. Wow. Charlie Hustle. remember watching him as a yep. kid, too. Incredible. Larry Boa joining us on the Out of Bounds show, uh, sharing some great stories. Was cut all three years from his high school team. So parents and, and kids out there, remember that. Didn't give up. Dad continued to support him, found a way. Uh, even if it's just to play in college, obviously it ended, ended up with MLB with, with Larry Boa. Uh, Mike Schmidt, I, I just loved him as a kid. Yep. Again, I, I, I ended up with like 20,000 baseball cards. So I was seven, eight, nine years old, <laughs> you know, 1980. Three, I'm I'm ten years old. I I couldn't get enough of that era in which you you played, Larry. What what was Mike Schmidt like as a as a personality and a and a teammate, Larry? Mike was pretty. His demeanor. I I think the reason he didn't hit it off in Philly early in his career. Let me state that. I mean, at the end of his career, they loved this guy and they knew they appreciated what he did. But he always made things look so easy. You could put any kind of ball in his hands. Bowling ball, golf ball, football, basketball. He was just a natural athlete. Uh, had tremendous skills. Uh, I'll give you a real quick story. In uh, I think it was seventy-two or three. I don't know. Well, he was he was a high pick for the Phillies. And usually, when you have a high pick, they fly you into Philadelphia, have the big press conference. They let you go down on the field and work out, and then they'll send you to the affiliate that they want to send you to. In this particular instance. He was going to work out in Philly, then go to Reading, Pennsylvania, which is real close. So I'm taking pregame, and, and and I can, you know, when you feel somebody standing behind you, you know, I felt somebody standing behind me, and he signed as a shortstop. And so I turned around, and I said, hey, what's up? And I introduced myself, and I said, congratulations. And he says, do you mind if I take some grounders? I said, no. So we started taking grounders, and I could see this guy is going to be something special just by watching him. And so, you know, me being – my personality after a while we start talking i said oh by the way he said i said you might want to pick another position because i plan on being here for a while <laughs> he tells that story all the time and eventually they did move him to third base and i told him i said you're lucky i played because if you played short you might have blown out your knees or whatever i said you went over there and played third and became a hall of famer but he would have been a hall of famer no matter what position he played but people had the wrong he didn't come across as a true Philadelphia player, you know, guys that got dirty and he didn't have to do that. He was such a great athlete. And so he wanted to win as bad as I wanted to win, but people, because of his personality and he's sort of aloof when he did his pregame stuff, a lot of times people thought he didn't care, but trust me, he cared more than anybody. And you could tell his very first year he hit under 200, but I think he had close to 20 home runs. You could see this guy is going to be something special. And it, on defense, he was unbelievable. He could go right, he could go left, he could come in, he could go back. Uh, he's the greatest. You know, I never got to play in the American League, so 
I know Brooks Robinson, watching him on video, was a great third baseman. But uh, as far as in the National League, I, I'd never seen a third baseman like this guy. Uh, Schmidt was so good. God, and you're right. Yes, he, he was. He made it look easy, so I don't think everybody appreciated what he was doing. And yet you know right. playing so long is damn hard to, to make all, yeah. all those plays. Larry Boa on the Out of Bounds show, longtime player and manager coach, Major League Baseball, uh, two-time World Series champion, five-time All-Star, and he joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance guest line. I've only got a couple of minutes, but I got to talk a little bit about Chicago. Um, So you go to Chicago. I'm a kid. I I have WGN. That was back when I didn't get it. We didn't get a bunch of games on Saturday. You got the game of the week, but you got all the Cubs games. Okay. So Mm -hmm. it it was, it was you and that, that whole crew. Um, Like Lee Smith was one of my favorite players ever. I always say this, Larry. It took Lee Smith an hour and a half to walk from the bullpen to the mound when when y'all called him in. I just loved it. Um, it took about 30 seconds, though, to get it three up and three down, though. <laughs> wasn't he so good? Golly. Yeah, he was. He uh, was great. What was it like? to? I, I, I think it was the 84 series that broke my heart with the Padres yep. Cubs and Tony Gwynn. And I love Tony, but I, I had to be a Cub. Um, what was right. it like to play for Chicago and Wrigley and have Harry Carey there in all those day games, Larry? Next, next to playing in Philly, it was, it was it was the greatest place I ever played. The city was great. Uh, at that time, we didn't have lights. Uh, I think that was the biggest concern because when we went on road trips to the West Coast or East Coast, we play night games and we come back and we without a day off and play a day game. Uh, that was the biggest difference. Eventually, Dallas Green got lights there, but because that team was not a real good team, and then when we all of us went over there, they used to call it the Phillies. Philly, the Chicago Phillies, because a lot of those players, Bob Dernier, Ryan Sandberg, myself, Gary Matthews, all these guys went, played with the Phillies, went over with Chicago, with Dallas. But that city was electric, that entire 84. And like you said, we can't we win the first two games against Sandy. That's probably the most disappoint, disappointed I've ever been. Not knowing, you know, when you go up 2 nothing, the best out of five, I'm not saying you think you got it made, but you got the hammer in your hand. And we went out there, and they swept us. i got to give them credit. They swept us. And, you know, looking back on that, that would have been a great series, us playing Detroit, but it didn't happen. But I love playing in Chicago. It was almost like you had a regular job, especially when you were at home. You get up 8 o'clock, you go to the ballpark. By 4.30, 5 o'clock, you're done. You go home. You have dinner like a normal human being. Yeah. It was a nice routine to get into. Then you'd have to go on the road and obviously make adjustments on the road. But uh, it was a great, great year in 84. I just wish we'd have won another game there and got to a World Series. That's This is great. Larry Boa on the Out of Bounds Show. Larry, thank you so much uh, for your time today. Cool for me to uh, to interview someone who I watched uh, play so much uh, over on the NL side with the, with the Phillies and the Cubs as a kid. And uh, your stories on uh, Pete Rose and Mike Smith and yourself—it's uh, incredible. We're, well, I got one. Trying. I got one real quick story. I'm going to tell you. My very first game, I played for Spartanburg, South Carolina. I was a starting shortstop. Uh, I'd never been out of California, so obviously I went to spring training in Florida. Then I broke camp, and my very first game—the one thing I did as a player—I put the ball in play all the time. I struck out four straight times, and I was sitting in my chair. 
And the manager, Bob Wellman, came over. He says, you all right? And I said, hey, if this is what professional baseball is all about. I said, you might as well send me back to Sacramento. And he said, this guy's going to be something special. And I'm thinking he's just trying to, you know, keep me going in a positive direction. Well, anyway, the pitcher turned out to be Nolan Ryan. Wow. I look back at that. <laughs> Larry Boa yeah, on the Out of Bounds <laughs> Show. Larry, thank you so much. Take care, my friend. Oh. All right, you take care. Thank you. That was great. That that made my week. Larry Boa on the Out of Bounds Show and the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. If you missed any of it, go to Apple Podcast or Spotify. Search Out of Bounds with Bo Bounds. We'll see you tomorrow.